Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. Today's sponsor is MailChimp, the world's leading email marketing platform. 12 million people use MailChimp every day to connect to their customers, market their products, and grow their e-commerce businesses. Send better email, sell more stuff. And hey, we got a fun little surprise for you. Ben's not here, he's traveling, but in his place, uh, we've got two guests that know each other quite well. Uh, we're going to talk about last night's Warriors-Cavs snoozer with Bram Kinchelow of Golden State of Mind and Ryan Morton of Fear the Sword. They are our two social media managers. They have a history and it gets fun here. We talk about a lot of stuff not really related to the game, but I think you'll enjoy. Uh, we don't want to apologize as well. We had an episode that we pre-recorded last week on all-star starters but my audio was jacked up we decided not to post it so sorry for our absence but we're back now uh and before you do anything please subscribe to the podcast uh, give us a rating give us a review we really appreciate all that and you can always send us questions we actually get to some of yours today we also answer some of them without naming the people but we see you we see you've asked those questions so we thank you anyway without further ado let's get on with the podcast with bram kinchelow and ryan morton I mean, I should care, but I, there was a lot of other things happening. Yeah. But that's that is insulting to wow. me. Oh, so you're not a fan? So you can't defend the Warriors on this one? No. Look at what <laughs> look at what they did. Oh, that's your squad, man. <sighs> so I think my favorite part of this is how Light years. <laughs> I was going to say that, but uh, also there were. There were not four canes, cranes or whatever, and it wasn't like there were three cranes doing one thing and one crane doing the other. Unfortunately, I would have liked to have gotten that joke off. But my favorite part is, do you remember, maybe this was only something I paid attention to, but how, I want to say it was Ethan Strauss who was like, well, isn't it kind of interesting that Steph is not, KD is the one that's going to the unveiling and not Steph. And what what's up with that? And I guess Steph had a scheduling conflict, but the whole time I'm thinking is that, I feel so bad for Kevin Durant that he has to sit through that whole thing. I mean, whatever. He he's getting paid <laughs> millions and millions of dollars, and he's going to play in this like amazingly fancy stadium arena. But that is just—I mean, what? So I know that they you put the music to it, but what were they actually playing? Uh, wait. Where's the original Vine? Let me see. It was from uh, what's her face, Courtney Cronin. Okay, I got to look at that. Yeah. So, but like I. I'm envisioning that Steph is probably knew that they're going to do something like this. And he was like, oh, yeah, I have a conflict. I can't go. Kevin, <laughs> wouldn't it be awesome if you went to this? I feel like Steph's <laughs> like a step ahead. You always make like the newest groupie with the worst cred show up to this kind of shit. <laughs> <laughs> they should have sent Berejau. All right. So I'm watching now. Yeah. So you're seeing that they're also oh, they're no. dancers. Oh, God. This is like Fantasia gone horribly wrong. This is mostly press there too, right? Like, are there actual, did they like invite special people to cheer? Like, this is mostly media. <laughs> this is so bad. <laughs> you know, there is a, a really a really simple three-in-one joke, though. Oh, what is it? God, this is bad. So I, was, the, I was going to say, like, there's the three. Like- Oh, God, there's the three cranes, but then there's the one dude in the middle conducting it all. Oh, see, that's what I should have done. Yeah. Uh, No, 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 no. I was going to ask, like, do you think they got the three cranes, like, really early in advance? And and how long do you think they worked on the fourth crane before someone else got it? (laughs) 
Well, they went with three cranes from one from one company, and then the some other company that they were bidding against just happened to get three cranes in a row. <laughs> This is just savage. I feel like I came into this podcast like full of happiness and vigor and just feeling like I was like kind of on top of the world. And, you know, it's the first time that Ryan and I have been able to talk about this stuff and in a setting outside of just our like mean spirited DMs that we send each other back and forth. But um, (laughs) now I'm just like completely knocked off my high horse and I have literally almost nothing to say anymore because that was just amazing it's probably as good a time as any to formally introduce hi this is a limited upside podcast i'm I'm mike prada ben's away and i have two special guests and with me two people who i would call what frenemies is that a fair way to put it we're friends that's that's probably okay yeah we're friends okay so we got bram kinchelow from uh, golden state of mind and ryan morton from fear the sword the social media managers for our sb nation cavaliers and warriors sites uh, and we're going to talk about last night's game, which was kind of a dud, or I guess we're going to talk about things that are not last night's game, because I'm guessing that Warriors fans are relieved and Cavs fans are, who cares? Am I wrong? I mean, I liked um, it. Yeah, you know, who cares would probably be strong, because you always have a good feeling in your heart when you do charity for the needy, but, <laughs> um, you know, but yeah, I mean, you know, not not super, not super caring right now. I enjoyed it just purely from the semblance of like, you know, anytime you lose four four games in a row to the same team, I mean, that just doesn't happen with this Warriors squad other than this this one team. To I pass. can guarantee you it happened. Oh, no, it happened. It definitely, most definitely happened as evidenced by those dancing cranes. <laughs> oh, God, I'm still totally not over that. Uh, but you're, um, you're on tilt. <laughs> Jesus. I like had all these zingers. No, but of course, like, I mean, if the Warriors were going to win that game, I'm I, as soon as it looked like it might be a blowout, I just wanted it to be like the blowoutiest blowout of all blowouts and for certain things to happen, like for Steph to hit that super arrogant three right before the half and for Durant to just eviscerate LeBron, Le, LeBron, LeBron on LeBron. the block. LeBron. <laughs> LeBron Wayne. <laughs> Le flop Le James. Um, uh, yeah, and the yeah. flop. I mean, it was great. It was there were there were so many elements that just made up just like a prototypical, fantastic Warriors Cavs tilt. Um, you specifically, guys need to make up your mind about Draymond Green. Like, is he big enough and strong enough to guard centers? Like everyone keeps telling me, or does his shoulder smashing into LeBron require LeBron to flop? Because it's not both. Like it, well, it, it's one or it, the other. He's no, either it, it required big and strong him to flop. And can, can guard centers, or he's. Or he's 250 pounds and can knock someone over. Well, it, yeah, but LeBron is bigger. In fairness, LeBron is LeBron, and he's sort of superhuman freight trainee. But yeah, that was that was the only interesting moment to me of last night's game. You know, I, I felt like the Warriors kind of needed to win like that, and they did. And the Cavs are on the end of a road trip, and whatever. But like that that moment with the flop. The other thing I thought was really interesting about this game was what was said after it with all this junk about LeBron saying that it's not a rivalry. And I guess I'll ask both of y'all, like, what do we, like, Warriors fans think this is a rivalry, right? Like, this is definitely a rivalry. I mean, if you have a semblance of, like, eyes in your brain, then yes, it's a rivalry. (laughs) They've they've met in the finals the last two years. They're going to probably meet again this year unless something weird happens. Uh, I mean, that is the definition of a rivalry. So the fact that LeBron is going around trying to... It, man, like, typical LeBron. Like, he's playing mind games, getting in the officials' ears at every single turn, and then just flippity-flopping all over the court like a dead fish, man. 
It's crazy. Just like a like oh, a fish man. newly skewered from the ocean deeps. Uh, like a, a giant fish, but still a fish that is just flippity flopping all over the court, just getting it wet with his with his fishy machinations. And uh, but yeah, no, obviously it's a rivalry. I mean, what kind of dumb shit is that? That it's not a rivalry. Like, what other rivalry is there? I mean, like Hawks Cavs is not a or Hawks uh, Celtics is not a rivalry. But like, this is definitely a rivalry. So what is he doing then? First of all, first of all, <laughs> I, I'll address that too. Because it's an old Akron trick that we do to people. Um, but you, you're, you don't know. I think Draymond said you guys don't know about kinesiology. Like, LeBron cannot be flip-flopping around the court like a fish. And then you guys storm Twitter to defend kicking people in the dick because we don't <laughs> understand involuntary body movements. Like, you, you can't be as sure as you are that he's flopping and also, Kate, for kicking people in the dick accidentally. <laughs> Isn't that like the definition of being a sports fan, though? Is I, re- I reserve the right to my completely batshit insane uh, yeah. observations I'm, about, I'm, about I'm edu- physics and sports that you don't understand at all? I'm educating you. That's what a parent does, man. <laughs> and, you know, LeBron, for his part, is using a time-honored Akron art of complete dismissal of a foe, you know, someone, maybe they make more money than you. Maybe their team is currently winning a game. You just dismiss them. Like, Oh, who's that? You know, someone tells me I'm garbage on Twitter. I pretend I don't even know him. He might be the next president of the United States. I don't know, but he probably is actually, unfortunately. Wow. <laughs> so, like, you just look at him and you go, no, 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 they're not a rival. Who those guys, what would they do? You know? I'm amused by this because LeBron, it feels like, has done this a lot. He hand-waved the Spurs away. He hand-waved the Pacers away. I remember back in the day, this is close to my heart, he kind of hand-waved the Wizards away. So I think he's kind of in the business of not declaring people rivals. Right. That's that's what he does. That's his Yeah, thing. but then at the same time, like, you know, he threw an entire Halloween party where he had like three one uh, skeleton drummer man up in the rafters, and people had to he literally step over the mummified body of Curry. What are you talking about? He totally did that. That was a decorator. Did you read the story about that? Oh, but it was his party. Yeah, he I mean, was there he, he picking straws. Your, your dude wrote it. Chris Haynes works in the Bay now. I'm pretty sure it was him that wrote it. He gave I'm just someone saying, there's, there's a there's a level of party. It was there's his party really, though. <laughs> yeah, it was his party. If LeBron really didn't want that. He could have. He could have. He could have said, "Nah, I don't want." It this. It could have shown I up mean, and been like, "Dudes, this is like a little over the top." Like, I'm all for fun and games, but y'all, and, it, and it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I agree with that. I'm just saying, I, I I see the point. Like, so in all seriousness, like, what is LeBron doing here? Like, why is he not? Why is he not willing to admit this is a rivalry? Now that Kobe is gone for forever, hopefully. Um, we have seen the ascension of the most petty player in the entire NBA. And this is not, this is not, uh, Wait, are we talking about, uh, Steph Curry? <laughs> no, I'm talking about LeBron James. I'm saying like ever since, well, not ever since, but you know, specifically players like Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, like they'll literally find the smallest sliver of whatever to just make themselves almost irrationally angry. And you see this sort of like crazy competitive, element come out in these players where they'll do and say things that don't seem rational to a normal human being because they aren't rational normal human beings they're like highly tuned uh competitive monster creatures 
who will do and say anything on the court to get their way. And Draymond Green is definitely one of those players as well. I have no illusion about, like, no, I mean, of course, yeah, he's kicking dudes in the dick. Like, of course he's kicking dudes in the dick. Let's, but, you know, of of course, like, LeBron James is flopping, too. And, of course, uh, Draymond Uh. went after LeBron. I'm just saying, like, those two guys on the court is is pretty much, like, high comedy slash... It's like a Shakespearean play unfolding in real time, and literally, it could go either way into, like, disaster or, like, high comedy. And you never know what's going to happen until it actually transpires. So, Ryan, what is LeBron doing? Like, why is he... And you're... Let's play some pop psychology here. Like, why would he... Why would he not admit that there's this is a rivalry or be at least reluctant to? Because he doesn't like them. Like that's that's what you do. They're they're like annoying little chihuahuas nipping at your feet all the time, and they're always barking, and Clay's always whining, and, and you don't want to acknowledge them. Like you just say, eh, yeah, those guys, they're pretty good right now. We're doing our own thing. But uh, that that's just LeBron. Like you said, like he did it with the Wizards. He did it with the Pacers. He did it with the Hawks. Like someone asked him last year what he thought about the Hawks. And he's like, the Hawks. And, and they played like a day later in the playoffs. Um, that, that's just how he is. Uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's his tactic. He chooses to completely dismiss whoever it is he's about to play. Is it because he doesn't want to give him any kind of material? Is it because he doesn't want to show him, you know, any kind of approval before they play so they feel good about something? I have no idea. But I- Well, obviously, it's, it's working. I mean, whatever he's doing is working. He's been a six straight final. So, I mean, you know, whatever, whatever he has to do to get to, like, get his mind right, I mean, he definitely has his vision of how he's going to prepare for games and how he's going to treat opponents. And, like, that's obviously not going to change at this point in his career. So or maybe he doesn't like stupid questions. Like who asked that? The teams have played each other in the last two finals, probably a third. Hey, do you think you're rivals? Hey, no right. shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, I kind of agree. I, I think that's probably it, but I think it's interesting in contrast to where the Warriors are saying, yeah, of course this is a rivalry. And Draymond Green saying, if LeBron isn't saying that this is a rivalry, then he's lying. And he said that basically on national TV. And even some of LeBron's own teammates are like, yeah, this is a rivalry. And I think Kyrie Irving was like, yeah, of course we get up for them. So it almost feels like there's LeBron on one side with his public message and everybody else literally in this matchup saying, yeah, of course this is a rivalry on the other. And, I guess you're maybe the theory that this is just like a stupid question is kind of the best theory now. It's like LeBron just saying, just trying to mess with all of us and say it's not a rivalry. But he also said like four years ago that there are no rivalries in sport in basketball anymore, which I thought was kind of funny. So maybe this extends beyond him. Yeah, maybe he's just a, a, a historian of the game and he feels like the product is watered. Maybe he's like super on board with Charles Barkley and he's going to end his pr- playing career and then go on national TV and start spouting a bunch of anti-small ball stuff and, you know, talking about how things haven't been the same since, you know, uh, bird magic. You yeah. never know. Who knows what's going on in that dude's head? So I, I love that you brought up bird magic because to me, what I what I like, what I thought was great about that rivalry uh, was that it was very much a, two coasts, two very different sorts of cities, two very different sorts of fan bases, two very different sorts of mentalities going against each other. And we haven't had a rivalry like that since, I don't know, maybe I'm projecting too much, but that's kind of what this rivalry feels like. You've got the uh, San Francisco kind of elite uh, Silicon Valley sort of place against the Rust Belt sort of environment of Cleveland, and that adds a certain level of extra stakes to this. Uh, 
But am I off my rocker? Does that make sense? Sorry, Oakland. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? They're already like they're already done. I mean, like you saw what happened today at uh, at the oh, arena. Feeling, so like, I mean, I have a lot of I have a lot, a lot, a lot of feelings about this. Like, probably a lot of which feelings I shouldn't bring up on a basketball podcast. But like, I'm actually pretty. So I'm from the Bay Area, but I moved when I was I moved to New York City of all places when I was 16. So I like haven't I mean, as much as I'm from there and I still go back a lot, like and I can lay claim to having I'm a California kid like the San Francisco that exists today and sort of just the Bay Area in general is so starkly different than how it was when I was a kid. And even when I was a kid, like it was still an affluent place. But, you know, for example, I grew up in this town, San Mateo, which is which is on the peninsula. And my dad, we moved into this like tiny bungalow when I was a kid and we were renting it for $700 a month or something. And by the time that he ended up leaving and all the kids had had grown and moved out and, but you know, the rent was like three grand a month and that was like 10 years ago. And now, you know, that house is worth like, I don't know, something stupid. It's probably worth like two or $3 million. And it's like the size of a, of a shoebox, you know? And, you know, I think about moving back to California and I think about what it would take to get back home. You know, my whole family is still there. And I just like, I don't foresee a future in which I would ever have enough money to be able to move. And so, I mean, as much as I love to rag on Cleveland and Akron, like at least there's still like, I mean, there's still normal people in the Bay too. And I'm, I'm totally not ragging on the fan, on the fan base per se, but a lot of the, I mean, like as evidenced by this, those dancing cranes, man, it's just, it's just silly. I mean, it's a weird time to be a Warriors fan. I feel like it is a weird time to be a Warriors fan because again, like we, we lived through, all of the Cohen era, era, we lived through We Believe. We lived through the the Joe Smith draft. We lived through, like, any hardcore fan who's been around, you know. I mean, I'm not that old. I'm 30 years old. So, like, even people who are much older than me who lived through way longer, much worse times. I mean, I, I remember, like, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, there's just there's so many moments that make this time, like, a really fun and valuable and, and really transcendent time to be alive, to be a Warriors fan. And at the same time, there are elements of the fan of the organization that make me cringe, like the cranes or like the light years or uh, you know, <laughs> like, it's hard, you know, you can't like you can't really, you know, as much as I want to in a knee jerk reaction, like just blindly um, um, go to war for Joe Lacob. Like there are elements of the tech industry that have forever altered the home that I know and love and have made it almost impossible for me to like like I said like go home you know so in a way it, it's a much deeper economic social um strata that we see happening which we see across the country too like you know we see wealth sort of splintering either into like incredibly working class blue blue collar or like the elite of the elite and you know oftentimes not nearly enough in between as evidenced by what we've seen in the last couple of years and, and the election, you know? So it's hard to, um, I mean, where I see your argument that of course, like the LA versus Boston is very similar and there are like definitely parallels, like very deep parallels. I think that our world right now is, is more complicated and a little bit more dangerous or something. And yeah. so it's harder to just like blindly be like, yeah, of course, like, you know, Golden State is the is the run and gun Showtime and 
Also, those dudes are not doing nearly as many drugs as like Pat Riley <laughs> and yeah. Lakers and the Plus family were, were, you know, I mean, actually, I could see Laker being like a raging cocaine addict, but I doubt it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's true. It's complicated. It's also, you know, just to take us back to basketball history. I mean, these are two teams that have never been the glamour markets of the league. And now they're in a position where they are. I mean, Cleveland, I mean, how many years has it been before last year since the title? How many, you know, disappointments? I think that adds an I don't know, Ryan, if you disagree. <laughs> I don't know if you disagree with me, but I think just the sort of long suffering nature for both fans of uses, but especially for, for Cleveland as well, sort of adds another layer to why this rivalry is so interesting. Well, and yeah, you know, and, and that's what, and it's funny because the Warriors just got the same monkey off their back. Like it had been 40 some years since they won anything. Um, and, and the most exciting thing about winning a title, at least for me, and I know some other people from around this area wrote about it, is we don't have to hear any more stupid jokes. Like <laughs> there's, so bad and no one knows no one knows anything about this area like one of the things that, that you see a lot in this rivalry um i'll call it that just to make bram feel good since he's still crying about the cranes um <laughs> so you know, what, what, <laughs> what one of the things you see a lot are are these like wannabe fabulous that show up and you know like oh man i'm just out here in the bay living life it's like, man, unless you've got a million dollars, you're you're living in a shoebox and drinking, you know, substandard water. Like, don't brag. Why are you bragging? We aren't living in in a dirty hole or or like the woods. Like, Cleveland's a big city that is not completely terrible. I actually don't live there, but I, <laughs> I've enjoyed myself. The RNC, everyone that was here for that, as much as the locals did not necessarily want it here. Um, you know, it, it went off pretty well and it, it was really well received and we're probably going to be hosting an all-star game soon. Um, that's contingent on the arena upgrades that they just approved. So, you know, more than likely there's going to be an all-star game here in Ohio and people are going to have to get used to just loving Ohio because it's not, it's kind of cool. I don't know. We have a growing tech market. We have a growing medical market. Um, it's, it's kind of blown up in its own little way and getting rid of all those stupid jokes. Like, Oh, who would want to go there? It's just some hole in the ground. Like it's, it's well, so you, you took all those jokes and you just repackaged them into just one flaming, angry sun hole of just three and one jokes. And then <laughs> it's true. And then like, and, and, and let's, let's address that because that is, is the most garbage thing. Like somehow we're taking all this flack for, for three and one jokes. When I would say at this point, Cleveland fans are, are making them the least. Like oh, there's absolutely. so many national people that do it all the time. And for us, we were 100% completely justified because all year we had to hear, hear about arrogant season and, oh man, if Kyrie and Love were healthy. You know how many Warriors writers I saw with the, the Kyrie and Kevin Love takes? Like you, you bought. All those three in one jokes, you paid for them well in advance. <laughs> with, an entire, with an entire year of of talking, and I mean, I'd be talking all kinds of crap too. The seventy three and nine season, that's amazing. But the problem with seventy three and nine seasons when you don't cash in is it's seventy three and nine. You're gonna be talking shit the entire time, and yeah. now you got to get made fun of. And so, oh, dude, I, I mean, I you know, the end I'm of just... eternity. 
I love that like when we interact on the internet, it's just so angry and pointless. And then when we actually talk, like it makes sense and yeah. we have a rational sane discussion. But I, I also, Ryan, I don't know if I told you this, but so I went home for Christmas actually. I was visiting my dad in San Francisco and he legit without a without a single shred of irony gave me a framed picture. <laughs> of that somebody took of the scoreboard when they won their 73rd game and it said 73 and 9 and he was like here i thought you'd really want this and i was like oh, that's oh a, my god without irony are you sure it was without irony no it totally was like he didn't he it like was a thing that he w- thought was cool picture that he was like yeah you're right for the warriors here you'll enjoy this and, and that was the moment when i was like ryan morton is my father this is <laughs> really it's like so dark Ooh. And I left it at his house too. Actually, I hope he doesn't listen to this. I like hid it in a in a corner in the room that I stay in, and didn't oh, well, take it back to New York. I, so. I feel like I got to protect you from saying more about what you've done to this. Um, but this is why I love this rivalry. There's angst on both sides. There's his, there's like a dark history on both sides. I think it's reflected in the way we talk about it. Uh, I think basketball wise, they're very different stylistically. Obviously, they're bigger, larger socio political uh, factors. But I just this is why I love it, and this is why. LeBron, man, just admit it. It's a rivalry. Uh, Anyway, we'll be right back. We're going to do a little quick ad read, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about actual basketball. This episode of Limited Upside is brought to you by MailChimp. 12 million people use MailChimp to connect with their customers, market their products, and grow their e-commerce businesses every day. MailChimp has been around since 2001. The company started as a side project funded by various web development jobs, but now they are the world's leading email marketing platform. They send more than a billion emails a day. They democratize technology for small businesses, creating innovative products that empower their customers to grow. When you connect to your store with one of MailChimp's hundreds of e-commerce integrations, you can create targeted campaigns, automate helpful product follow-ups, and send back-in-stock messaging. Learn what your customers are purchasing, and then send them better email. MailChimp will also analyze the purchase history of each customer to make smart, data-driven predictions about what they'll want to buy in the future. It's enterprise-level technology made simple for everyone. Just drag and drop. Sending personalized product recommendations to your customers increases sales in just a few clicks. MailChimp detects purchasing patterns in your e-commerce data and uses them to automatically predict your customers' buying behavior so you can target the right people with the right products. It's MailChimp. Send better email. Sell more stuff. Back on the Limited Upside podcast, Bram Kinshalo from Golden State of Mind, Ryan Morton from Fear the Sword. There's still a whole half season left to be played, and the two Warriors Cavs games have been done. So I, I want to ask both of you. Let's start with Ryan. Like, what's the thing? We all agree that this is sort of probably going to be a matchup in the finals, and that's sort of where everybody's looking. But what should fans be thinking about as the big storylines kind of leading up to that? I mean, what what should draw people's interest about these two teams independent of what they're doing vis-a-vis each other? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's never happened before to have three teams or two teams meet in three straight finals. So that would be huge. And, you know, I think they both have a ton to figure out about each other. You know, the Warriors, for the most part, and I really don't think yesterday was very informative. So 
until they until they do it in a playoff series, I'm gonna keep harping on this. The Warriors for the most part have not figured out Tristan Thompson. Like they they have a ongoing problem with what to do with Tristan Thompson. Who do you leave on him to switch? Because they've got to also try to box him out, you know, and then the Cavs on their end, how the hell do you guard every player that the Warriors have? What's going on with Kevin Love? immediately after the game yesterday, you know, the takes are rolling in. Oh, man, maybe they should trade Kevin Love for, like, I don't know. Hey, Melo looks like he's available. Oh, I have man. no idea what the I'm, hell I'm a Mello. huge fan of that trade, by the way. That would be <laughs> yeah, the most I, hilarious I, trade of all time, and I totally want you guys to do it. What the hell is Melo supposed to do in this matchup? Like, I've never watched one of these games and thought, you know what? <laughs> a six foot seven power forward with bad knees would just set this whole thing off. And Melo was so good and so great. He's just beaten down now, and his style of basketball wouldn't work as a as a role player on this Cavs team with LeBron. But beside the point, um, just the the constant. I feel like they they both like you said their their styles are so contrasting, and you know the Warriors are the beautiful. Hey, everyone moves the ball, everyone touches it. Um, spreadsheet offense would be a little too extreme because obviously their use of data is correct and incredible, but you know, that's, that's kind of the, the pole that they lean towards And in the Cavs or that old, they're, you know, they're beating you up, they're getting in your head, they're chipping at you. Mike, you had a great piece about how they're, you know, they're roughing up little Steph every time he's off the ball and, you know, and then they rely on isolation from mostly two guys to create for everyone which is a bit of a throwback technique. So, you know, that, that constant contrast in styles and the Cavs are big, the Warriors are, are a smaller team, even though they're longer and more athletic. Like it, it's just, it, every time they play, it's, it's a really interesting contrast that could go either way. So, Bram, the, the piece that Ryan's talking about, obviously I'm sure you read that I wrote about the Steph rules and what the Cavs do to slow Steph down. Obviously the Steph rules didn't exactly come into play last night. Uh, are Warriors fans thinking that, that's all for good. Is there still concern no, over not. that? I mean, where where are we at on sort of the concern about how Cleveland has been able to slow Steph prior to last night? I mean, I I think that it's it's something that we'll we'll have to wait and see, hoping that we get to a finals. You know, because it's a long season. We're not even at the All Star break yet, so like a million different things could happen on both sides. You know, the Cavs could trade for Melo and then basically go like one and 40 the rest of the way or whatever it would they would do. But, um, yeah, <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> but obviously won't. But so but I think with, you know, what we saw in the in the playoffs, it, it's so hard to get a to, to gauge this team, like Ryan's saying, because there are a lot of elements that we haven't figured out. And I think what we saw in the playoffs last year in the finals, first of all, um, the Warriors are, are basically a. a a different team, you know, they did have a huge shakeup and, you know, obviously if they win the title, I don't think they have that shakeup and they return like a much more similar team in some capacity, but you know, players getting huge minutes, obviously Durant, but even people like David West, you know, who are playing like pretty, pretty meaningful moments for the Warriors and really like, you know, commandeering the second unit, things like that. I mean, that the team is, is different than what it was last year, as opposed to the Cavs who, Obviously now they they brought in Kyle Korver, but um, you know there's there are elements of of the Warriors that the scary thing is that they don't even know really who they are, and they're still just in the early stages of really figuring out what the ball movement is going to look like, 
you know, what Durant's defensive um, uh, prowess can be on the team. I mean, now he's obviously he's leading in rebounds and blocked shots, um, which I don't think everybody saw coming. Obviously, I mean, I remember at the beginning of the season, there was a a lot of like, oh, where's the rim protection going to come from now that Bogan and Azealia are both gone? And it's like, oh, from Durant, because he's 7-1. But as we move towards the playoffs, another thing I was going to say is that last year, I mean, and again, this is not a cop out at all, but Curry, Curry was still hurt, you know, and so we still. <laughs> no, I'm serious, but it changes how it changes how the entire team plays. So if and and also Curry is only in the last like week or two really started to get back to that sort of that freedom of movement that he had on court before he injured his uh, injured his knee in the Houston series, because when he can, I mean. As evidence says, obviously he couldn't even get separation against Kevin Love in one of the more famous plays from that series. Uh, I think he just, Kevin like, Love just played great defense and is one of the best uh-huh. big man defenders out there. I mean, I, I, and, right. and that's the yeah. using that play to legislate that he was still hurt. Like I get it, and and I think he was, but I don't know. It's so tricky. Uh, it's not a, no, it's not a cop out. I mean, it's just he was just wasn't a, like super right, but he was perfectly fine against. You know, he he just killed Oklahoma City. Like yeah, something, but no, but but even if you watched more than he watched all those games. Shape. I mean, he but, had he had moments of transcendence, but he definitely wasn't the same player. I agree. In the, he in he the wasn't playoffs. the same player. I mean, but but what's interesting about the timeline of the last one to two weeks, I feel like with the Warriors, is that that was also the moment that Steph, healthy Steph played like crap against the Cavs, and the Warriors realized, you know, wait a minute, like are we accommodating? you know, him too much to get Durant involved. Like, do we need to get the ball back in Steph's hands? And then last night, uh, Steph had the ball in his hands more often, and he just shredded the Cavs. I mean, that that's yeah. sort of – that to me is sort of the interesting health or no health. Like, that's that's sort of the interesting touch point of what happened the last couple of months. And is there – does Cleveland have an answer if, indeed, they can't necessarily rely the same way on, like, let's beat him up off the ball? I mean, I think they do, and the answer is LeBron James. And And that was what we saw in the finals last year is that, like – I'm, who knows if it even would have made a difference if Steph was healthy? Like I think it would, but it it easily could not have. Like they easily, the Cavs still could have won all those games had Steph still been in supernova realm, able to dance around, get off of screens, whatever. Because like with LeBron, and as much as I talk shit about him being petty and sort of weird and like doing unnecessary flopping and being a dead fish on the court sometimes, he he's, is. He's totally petty and weird. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad that we agreed on that. But I feel he like Petty is... has become a positive trait nowadays. I agree. I, mean, I don't feel. I know. I know Ryan feels that way, but I don't feel that way. I mean, maybe I'm I am not petty. I was saying LeBron is petty. I have not dabbled in pettiness before. <laughs> You're the king. Um... You sit on a mountaintop of pettiness. You sit on your throne that's made of petty, and then you just like rock out to the to the to the dulcet tones of Tom Petty as you like hand out. Alms to the poor. Yeah, this just, uh, this metaphor went in a strange place. I didn't think it would that, go there. What I'm trying to say is I'm trying to compliment LeBron on obviously being the most intimidating, fearsome player that I've ever seen in my entire life. And peak LeBron is unguardable, unplanable. You can't necessarily know what's going to happen. And so my, my dream, obviously, is that both teams finally make it to the playoffs 100% healthy. Everybody's good to go. The Warriors have figured out their offensive, defensive flow and rotations. The Cavs are playing at an incredibly high level. Kyrie and 
and and uh, world defensive champion uh, Kevin Love are both on the court, and then we just go full tilt for seven games, and there aren't these like, oh well, what if and blah blah blah. And I mean, like, I hate the what ifs too, you know. Obviously, like, I don't. I'm not trying to lean on Curry being hurt, but the fact is he was hurt, and the fact is the year before that, Kevin Love and and Kyrie were both hurt. So like, they're what ifs on both sides, yeah. Totally. So it's and it, you know, so obviously, like I. You rarely do we ever get something that we totally 100% desire, but I do desire that they both make the finals. And this third year, each squad is completely healthy. And and then again, like I think it's there's so many things that you can't plan for. There's so many little like in-game, um, you know, things that both coaches will do. I think Kerr and Tyron Lue are both like fantastic coaches. I think both teams are incredibly smart with the basketball IQ. I think they both have like amazing emotional and moral integrity and they're really playing for each other and they both have superstars. Like on on in ways, you know, I think Tristan Thompson is a superstar defensively. Like the stuff that he did in the finals last year was I mean, like I said, we had no answer for that. So Yeah, he was great. Um yeah. so obviously we all we both agree this is probably going to be a rematch, but obviously probably it is not absolutely. Uh assuming there's no like serious injuries and it, we all agree that these two teams are head and shoulders above their competition in the conference what could trip things up for either for both of them i mean i'm starting starting with cleveland like what's the what's the area of biggest concern for Cavs fans now uh with the way the team is playing and then i'll switch over to with the warriors like what's the biggest area that could prevent the Cavs or warriors from holding up their end of the bargain well the Cavs, it, it would certainly be their defense like you're just kind of hoping that, you know, they're going to be more locked in come playoff time because they've shown historically that that's what they do. You know, we have two years in a row where they get to the playoffs and they flip a switch and just wreck the entire Eastern Conference. But they're not really built like that anymore. You know, they don't have Timothy Mozgov, who before he hurt his knee at the end of 2014-2015, like he, he was playing great defense. He, he was a real... You know, he earned the contract he got with the Lakers before he got hurt. Now, he got hurt, and he shouldn't have paid him that much, but he, he was that kind of player before he injured himself, and he never really looked right last year. You know, now you have Channing Frye. You have Kevin Love, who's playing better defensively, but I don't think you're ever really going to trust them. Um, Richard Jefferson's another year older. You know, Kyle Korver, like I saw last night, Kyle Korver is going to need some time to learn the defense. You know, there's there's a ton of things where – the Cavs were trying to pass switches off from one guy to the next, and Corver has no idea what he's doing. And it, it led to a lot of open threes um, for the Warriors. He got trucked a couple times, too. He was uh, just kind of taken to the woodshed on one-on-one situations as well. Right. Um, and, and that's the thing. Like, you have to find somewhere to hide him, and you have to find, you know, I, I don't even know that Channing Fry can play in the finals against the Warriors, he couldn't last year. The rotations are too fast. They're too athletic for him to be super effective. And the biggest thing that worries me is what J.R. Smith comes back. You know, is is he the J.R. of last year? Or is he the guy that has been dinged up all season, hasn't shot real well, and has, you know, hasn't looked focused on the court? Um, And and if they don't get a good J.R. Smith where they can give big minutes to LeBron, Jr., Kyrie, and Tristan Thompson, and fill in Corver, Love, and Shumpert around that, they're going to be in trouble because, as silly as it sounds, you know, Jr.'s versatility, his his ability to handle better than most two guards, his ability to, you know, he's one of the premier. He definitely was last year one of the premier spot up shooters in the league. 
and his ability to defend, he's, he's that perfect fourth piece for them that does a little bit of everything pretty well and a few things really, really well that, that kind of sets the whole thing off. Um, and, and what you've seen this year from them is, you know, the big three are scoring. They're scoring a lot. They're handling a big load. And the weaknesses of guys like Shumpert, DeAndre Liggins, Channing Fry, Richard Jefferson, guys that definitely have uses and helpfulness, all their weaknesses are on display, and all of them look like a problem right now. Yeah. Um, so they, they need to get healthy. They need one or two more depth you know, acquisitions, which they're working on. But probably depth throughout the season is what can undermine them the most and lead to their defense being bad in the playoffs that, that would just wreck them. Yeah, I also wonder if LeBron is just playing. I guess it's sort of related, but LeBron is playing a lot of minutes, and I did not expect that. But at this point, he sort of has to. They have so few bodies, so I, I worry about that because last year he, you know, took off a couple weeks. He sat a few games. It was the Warriors that were sort of worn down by the end. I wonder if the reverse might happen. But um, Bram, on the Warriors side, like, what's the thing that fans are worried might trip them up? Uh, I mean, fans are, I don't know, man, fans are worried about a, a, a series of different things. I, I honestly, and this is like how crazy some of the bandwagon fans have gotten, but like I had a dude arguing with me on Facebook that Kerr was the worst coach in the league and that they should fire him. I was just like, what are you, what are you talking about, man? Um, promote but I mean, Mike Brown. Promote oh, Mike Brown. God. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, and then literally I was like, what are you talking about? And his, his retort was. Who do you think was really uh, coaching that game? It was Mike Brown. It's like, oh, oh dude. God. Yes. Um, Mike anyway. Brown and Andy. Yeah, Mike Brown and Andy. I know. It's just going to be Mike Brown and Barry Jow. Uh, I mean, so legitimately, though, I mean, some of the some of the issues have been, I mean, to a certain extent, obviously, like, what is Barry Jow doing on the team? <laughs> Something that jumps out to me. Yeah. And, like, is there any way that we can please? And I, I think Andy's a great locker room presence and all those amazing platitudes that we always hear. But like, I need for him to not be on the team by the time that the play, that the team goes to the playoffs because I'm still <laughs> scarred. I by, feel like that by game seven. I feel like that's not gonna happen. Are you are you worried at all about the late game offense stuff? Like how it's not been a little shaky and and they've blown some of these big leads. I mean, they have blown some big leads. I think, like, it's kind of arrogant to say it, but so something that they haven't really been doing that that often is they haven't had a chance to really play crunch time minutes with their with their main players, you know, because they've been in a in a good amount of blowouts and because they've kind of like obviously been leading at times. Um, they've had a tendency to sort of let off let off the gas and kind of let some of these teams get back in it. I mean, even last night there was a moment where they were up like like thirty, but all of a sudden I was looking at the at the team at at the at the game and you know the Cavs hadn't stopped playing hard and the Warriors had for a second and I was just like oh man please don't do this again even though I, I thought like mathematically it was impossible but we've seen that mathematical um impossibilities tend to come true with the Warriors at yeah. least since the so I mean it, it's weird man there's there's nothing like specific where I could point at it I mean I could say yeah I think that they have a long ways to go with really figuring out uh, exactly what the rotations are going to be and like who gets the ball and and I, but I think in the last couple of weeks we've really seen the sort of reemergence of you know completely healthy uh, very much attacking like very you know dangerous unparalleled NBA talent Stephen Curry um, and that we've seen that Durant and Clay and obviously Draymond are willing to like take a step back and let Curry be as Durant put it actually the quote unquote head of the snake. Um, 
because when Curry is attacking in that way, it just it throw it it shifts defenses and his gravity just is so um so strong that it just opens everything else up for all those other guys. And as great as Durant is, like he he's not necessarily the one who's gonna initiate all of that um all of that movement and all that different stuff. So I mean again, they have a they have a long ways to go as far as that. Um they're still figuring out some of the, the basic like rotational stuff, but it it's nothing. I mean, I'm not worried. I know that people will jump and get super worried about like Kerr or whoever, but I think it's just normal stuff. Um, and again, the biggest thing obviously is, is health and the, but that's true for every team in the league. Yeah. It's just funny how these teams are just very much looking at each other and every little problem becomes a bigger problem just because it's the context of each other. So, well, it's going to be interesting. Uh, before we go, uh, I know we got a few questions uh, that we were able to answer already. Um, you know, we got N.O. Carter. We see we kind of talked about how important this game was. We both we all kind of agree it wasn't that important. Uh, biggest threat to the Warriors from Killjoy GSW. Demo's back sweat, Scott Foster, or Kiki Vandeway? <laughs> That's my boy, Killjoy, right there. It's one uh, of my homies on the internet. Homies uh, on the internet, all right. <laughs> yeah, no, we've never actually met, nor do I, I'm not sure what his real name is. but Okay. You know. uh, I'm going to let you answer that, Ryan. Um, I would say, in the vein of, if you're wondering, between Scott Foster and Kiki Vandeway, I, I would clearly say it's their behavior that would be the biggest threat. You know, you can't kick dicks. And you can't throw mouthpieces. Um, and I'm sorry that that gets rewarded on that side of the country, but <laughs> over here, you know, we have rules, and and we don't we don't we don't do that. Northeast Ohio, it's a way of life. Um, absolutely. Wait, no, there's no dick kicking in Northeast Ohio. No, very pro dick. No. <laughs> oh, all right. Well. All righty. Uh, we have a few other questions, um, but I feel like we can answer them after this. Also, I understand you have a couple things you want to get to uh, on your outline today. There are a few things you want to, <laughs> you want to kind of make that, sure you mention before we're done. That was a joke, um, but we do need to come to an understanding that the Beatles were in fact trash. And I'm not going to support this take. Yeah, it's two to one. <laughs> we just need a third person to come in, and then Ryan wins. <laughs> Fair enough, but um, until we get to that point, it's best of three. And we we win. I, how can you possibly think that the Beatles are trash? It's like not even a, an argument that I'm willing to delve they're into not, because it's just so deeply flawed. I don't even know. Not what good, music, man. Like you know how you hear something, you know how you hear a sound, and you're like, "What is that? That's very annoying, and I do not like it." Yeah, like That's your voice. What when, yeah, yeah, probably my voice is terrible. <laughs> and the Beatles are so much better than your voice. Everything is like literally everything. Everything I do and everything I like is garbage. But so are the Beatles. All right, all right. Well, good, good attempt. All right. La- last question I have: um, What is the state of your bets right now? I know you've bet uh, special gag bets in the last two title games, uh, title series. So obviously it's one to one. Is there anything that works to break the tie this year? I mean, I hope we get there, but I, Ryan has sworn off betting, supposedly, because I scarred him so deeply with what happened oh. after last year's Christmas game. Wait, so what What were the bets exactly? Well, there's only been so one. There, there was no bet in year one because we did not know each other in That's year true. one. We didn't know each other, okay. yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so we, didn't, after, we didn't feel comfortable just, like, one. talking a vociferous amount of just bullshit at one another's faces online. Okay. Yeah, after, you, after year one was the first time that I went to Summer League, and... 
that was the first time that I met Nate outside an email where he was apologizing to me for some behavior after the finals were over. Um, and it was all really awkward. I'm like, oh, that guy. Yeah. Well, it wasn't me. I also want to say it wasn't me. I believe. Yeah, it wasn't for him. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe it you was, introduced uh, yourself saying, uh, I think you blocked me on Twitter one time. Yeah, yeah, Mike, you had me blocked on Twitter when I met you. I don't believe I did, but yes. maybe, maybe I did. That makes so much sense. You definitely did. Like mm. you said something, and I made you know some joke that was probably amazing, and I just got blocked because I remember when I got hired. I'm like, hey, does it matter that he has me blocked? And can someone get him to unblock me? <laughs> Yeah, I, I was LeBron coming out of nowhere, and you were Andre Iguodala trying to Ooh. go for the layup. Ah, oh, that makes both of us feel bad. Yeah. So, uh, so last year for Christmas, we bet that the loser had to um, tweet a highlight video of the starting five once a day. So one one member of the other team's starting five each day with hashtag NCAA vote, and it was terrible. Um, with no what, with no other context too, like no like, hey, I'm sorry, but I have to do this because I lost a bet. Lost a bet, by the way. Harrison Barnes yeah. hashtag NBA vote. It was just like straight up like Harrison Barnes hashtag NBA vote, and then everybody was like, why? <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I had to tweet out like I had to tweet out, you know, go Draymond Green hashtag NBA vote. Yeah, and it was, it was from the, the fear of the sword account to be clear. Yeah, so from fear of the sword, and then they got the Warriors social media people involved. Yeah, we did to, to boost. <laughs> and you know it, it was all. got all up in there and she was pleased with what we had done and every time i bet on anything the Cavs lose or any other thing i like loses i i never win bets so i swore it off i didn't bet on the finals and the Cavs won in the most historic amazing final series of all time so i just don't feel like it'd be smart for me to bet on them because that guarantees that they'll lose it's hard to argue with that logic. Well, I feel like it's really easy to argue with that logic because Ryan Morton's personal uh, juju, as far as like bets, has nothing to do with the with the fates of we don't, professional athletes. Are you sure? We don't know that. I am sure. sure. I've met Ryan. But, I've seen his face. What's what, why? What, why would his face have anything wrong with like? What's the a, problem with just, his face? Just a stupid face. There's <laughs> no way that that face could right. could uh, swing. <laughs> He's actually right on this one. It's stupid. But... <laughs> okay. No, All but right. so what What I think we should do, because obviously uh, is a moot point unless they meet again in the finals, is that if they do meet again in the finals, we should reconvene and then revisit this question. And I think that we should actually make another bet. Oh, my God. That sounds good. Uh, so we'll talk in June. Uh, this is why I wanted to have you both on. Obviously, as frenemies, you have thoughts on this Warriors-Cavs rivalry that is dwarfing the league right now. Uh, and that's that. Uh, next time, Ben will be back, hopefully. I don't know when there's going to be a next time uh, as far as this show, but there will be a next time. Uh, but until then, this is Mike Prada. That's uh, Bram Kinchelo and Ryan Morton. You want to tell people where you can find they can find you uh, outside of our specific team site accounts at Fear the Sword and at Unstoppable Baby. Dude, your Twitter handle is so much better than ours. Yeah, well, <laughs> see, like... you guys are gonna have to change at Unstoppable Baby. No, well, so what? So the funny thing is that again, and this is true with like many of Warriors things, is that it used to be ironic 
because it was at like years ago, it was Warriors rookie Mark Jackson and not even like Mark Jackson of Mark Jackson Warriors fame of recent, like that some Mark Jackson you don't even know. Oh yeah, the and big they, guy, they, the big Mark yeah, Jackson. Yeah, and they were down by like 20 or 30 points in the fourth quarter and he dunked the ball and as he ran back, I don't even remember who it was against, but they were like getting blown out. And he dunked the ball, was running back up the court and he looked at the at the opposing team's bench and he just screamed, unstoppable baby! <laughs> and then like, we thought it was so funny because that just summed up everything about being a Warriors fan in that one <laughs> I did not know that story. No, that, that's the backstory. <laughs> that's and the so back now story, huh? people just think that we're like super arrogant because we kind of are. But like in reality, it's not like we just came <laughs> up with that, that <laughs> Twitter uh, it's like it's just a kind of an unfortunate thing, but it's so deeply ingrained in in the history of the Warriors that we just kind of have to roll with it at this That's point. That's great. That's fantastic. That's my favorite part about again. My favorite part about this rivalry is that you have the two best teams in the league are so used to being terrible, and their fan bases are trying to get used to this. <laughs> right. All right. So my own um, Twitter handle, obviously, the team is at Unstoppable Baby. My my own name, Bram Kinchlow, is at B R A M K I N C H E L O E. It's a weird name, but if you just type in at Bram, like it'll pop up eventually. Kinchelo. Yeah, and I'm I'm Ryan. It's Ryan underscore Morton M O U R T O N. There's only one, like literally only one in America. I've Googled it extensively. Um, but yeah, I'm the only. Trash. <laughs> I'm so, the only Bram Kinchelo in the world, actually, too. So we wow. share that. This is this is very special. I did not know this. Meanwhile, there's like a former Maryland University track star named Mike Prada. That I always comes up when I Google my own name. Not to say that I would ever do that. I'm just I mean, saying, yeah, as like, friends Google my name and I look over their shoulder, <laughs> I would never Google myself. Of course, of course. Uh, but yeah, all right. Well, listen. Thanks you all for joining us, and uh, until next time, this is the Limited Upside Podcast. and connect your store with MailChimp in order to personalize and automate your marketing. Visit MailChimp.com to learn more.